Hi, and welcome to the Kelowna Girl Chai's podcast. I'm Barb, and this is episode 110, Thursday, December 29th, 2011. Hope you enjoy it. Hello, everybody. It's that uh, lovely period of time between Christmas and New Year's. So I thought I'd sneak in a podcast right now while the worst of the rush is over. We've had a really nice time with family here. I got to see my kids a lot and uh, my sister and her family were in town and both my brothers and my mom. So it's been a really nice week and uh, I'm quite relaxed now that it's all finished. It's been unseasonably warm here, though, in Kelowna. Um, it's, we've only had a few flurries now and again, and uh, we had a dump of snow at the end of November, and it melted, and just nothing much is happening. Uh, we've had just enough snow up in my neighborhood to make it ice, icy and slick for running. So if I want to run, I have to go down into the valley and run on the flats, or I've run on the treadmill a few times. But uh, anyways, today I'm going to give you a short training update, and then I'll do another installment of So You Want to Be a Triathlete, this time with a focus on base training. And I've got a few shout-outs to give. Okay, training report first. My last episode was um, a 10K race report. I think it was about a week after the race, and uh, as I mentioned, I'd suffered what I thought was a calf cramp during the race, and hoped it would go away in a day but fortunately it turned out to be a grade one calf strain it was really painful for three days um i iced it and wore my zensation sleeves 24 hours a day and then i went switched to heat alternating and with ice for another day um well for a few days actually but it was too sore to massage or to work on it but it wasn't bruised so i just tried to stay off my foot i just found it really hard walking up and down stairs um, I did try to get to the gym for strength training during that time, and I did some rowing and elliptical for cardio, but well, not really as much as I should have been doing. December is such a hectic time for teachers. I think I even went swimming once in there. Anyways, after about a week, I'm thinking it must have been two or three days after my last show, I can't remember now, I went for a 1K run just to see. It wasn't hurting when I was walking anymore, so I thought maybe it would feel okay, but uh, it immediately tightened up, and so I just did one lap around the block and came in and that was it. Then I made an appointment to see a chiropractor and had some active release technique about midweek the following week. And it didn't really hurt very much this the active release and it usually does if the muscles really tight. So I don't know if it was just turning turned out that it was healing up or what. Uh and so I don't know if the ART really helped. However, the chiropractor gave me the all-clear to try running the following weekend, and that would have been two weeks since the injury and two weeks without running. So I was looking forward to that, and then unfortunately I came down with a really bad cold and flu on Thursday of that week. Um, I had, like it really was the flu because I had a bad high fever and uh, ache, totally aching pains, um, body pain, headache, and uh, cough, Quite a bad cough, congestion, sneezing. I had a fever and a heat rash. I mean, I was just like the whole shebang. And it, I was, I went to work on Friday like that. Uh, just took some Tylenol and went to work because it was craft day. And you, you just can't call a sub on craft day, you know. 
and oh man i mean the ibuprofen is what kept me surviving the day and then as soon as i as soon as the day was over i went home i went straight to bed missed our staff party for a christmas party at the end of the day and yeah it was really sucky and then i was in bed all day friday all day saturday stayed home monday and then I forced myself to go back to work on Tuesday because my fever had dropped, but I was still really, really fatigued and coughing a lot and congestion. I sounded horrible. I looked horrible. In fact, when I walked in the door, everybody said, why are you even here? But we had a Christmas concert that week, and I just felt I really needed to be there. So I kind of struggled through the week, um, tried not to do too much just because it was just working was exhausting. And uh, by the by, the end of the week, I was starting to feel a little bit better. And on that weekend, let me just take a look at my schedule. What did I do? Oh, I love it when I click the wrong button. Here we go. Yeah, Saturday I didn't do anything, but Sunday I went for my first run, and I just took an easy run for about thirty minutes. Uh, and I don't even think I went out for 30 minutes. I walked for five, and then I ran for about 20. Then my calf started tightening up, so I stopped and walked the last. And so I was out for 30 minutes in total. And the next day I went to the gym, and I did some, I think I did the elliptical, I think, and or maybe I rode. And then I did uh, weights. And so now that we've got the new weight machines, I'm really excited, really happy about them. And they're just a little bit uh, more challenging than the old ones. And so that's been great. And I've been trying to go at least twice a week. I'd like to go three times a week, but, you know, since Christmas was here, it's a little bit difficult. And then later that week, I gave it four, four, three or four days of rest in between. And then I went back to the um, gym and I ran on the treadmill. And this time I ran for about 30 minutes. And it felt okay. And then this week I've run twice, on Monday and Wednesday. And I run 40, 40 to 45 minutes each time. So I'm, I'm hoping this week weekend like on December 30th or 31st I'll uh, I'll do a, an hour long run and that'll kind of be my so-called long run right now and I should be back to having feeling pretty fit but I've been running pretty slowly and I'm just trying to be careful oh and just as a note too today was the first time I actually tried running in my Brooks um, I have bought a pair of Brooks Green Silence uh, when I was down in Leavenworth um, the somewhere I think it was in October and it they're really comfortable, and I really like them, and they're quite a minimalist shoe. I've been wearing them to the gym, and I've been wearing them to work and just in walking just to kind of get used to them. And so today I thought, ah, oh, what the heck. So I, I ran for 45 minutes, and then I walked for 15. So everything seemed fine. It didn't hurt in any way, and I'll just kind of, I'm going to give them a shot for the next few weeks and see how they do. So, uh, hopefully I'm going to be able to start my marathon training plan in January. It's not going to quite be the way I wanted to start it off because, as you know, my goal was to to really do an hour and a half run, an hour to an hour and 15 minutes or an hour and a half um, every Sunday in December just to keep get some nice steady endurance. And, of course, that's just been totally blown to pot. So, that's the way the ball bounces. What can you do? You just do what you can and that's all. Anyways, I guess we'll just have to wait and see how it goes uh so i've done a few more episodes with Stuart from the quadrathon podcast so if you want to hear Stuart and i chat about my marathon and his triathlon training you can check it out go to quadrathon.blogspot.com i think he's got a link to the podcast from there um if you don't already follow it and you can also just go to itunes and search for quadrathon it's q u a d 
R-A-T-H-O-N. And we just Skype chat, so sometimes we have a little bit of Skype issues once in a while, but um, mostly it sounds pretty good. It's kind of interesting, something fun to do. I like talking to somebody else instead of just by myself. Well, I should probably talk about my eating plan. It's a terrible time to talk about eating when it's December 28th. Was it 28th today? Yeah, (laughs) it's okay. I've been uh, slovenly, slothly. Um, I don't know. I'm basically right now I'm where I've been all year, which is anywhere from five to seven pounds over my race weight. And throughout the year, I've been trying to do something about it, but I haven't been consistent enough to stay on, you know, I don't want to diet. And if I start counting calories, it's just, I don't know, I just hate doing that. So I haven't really done it. And if I don't count calories, I don't lose weight. However, I have been maintaining my weight. So that's good. Anyways, um, luckily for me, I love New Year's resolutions. I just get super excited about them, and I know some people hate them, so if you're a hater, that's fine. You go for it. But for me, I just get really excited about it, and I'm looking forward to getting January 1st, everything back on track. Um, Been doing a lot of reading about uh, healthy eating plans, just trying to get a lot of perspectives. You know, I've been reading stuff about veganism and vegetarianism, and I've been toying around a little bit with that. And I'm pretty sure I can't go totally vegetarian, and I'm positive I can't go totally vegan. But I do think it's been good for me to um, dabble in them and eat more meat alternates. Uh, recently I read a book called The Vegetarian Myth, and right now I'm reading The Omnivore's, Omnivore's Dilemma, and they're quite interesting. Um, and I've also read a little bit about the paleo diet. And they all just give me little bits of information that uh, are helpful, but the most interesting thing I've read in the two most recent books I've read is about the importance of eating grass-fed meat. So I'm going to keep reading it and finish up the book, and then Um, Maybe on my next show or one of my next couple of shows, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about what I've learned about that. So I will leave that. Uh, At any rate, when I was sick for those 10 days, I managed to lose three or four pounds. And it it was gone. It was off, not just two days after I was back on or anything. It was fine. It was definitely down. But uh, over the Christmas gluttony week, I gained them all back. So I don't really care. I mean, I figure it's a good thing that I lost the weight when I was sick because I know I would have gained the three pounds Anyways, and I would, at least right now, I'm only back to where I was, where I started. So, uh, you know, if you're out there and you're, you've been enjoying the Christmas season and enjoying the f- beautiful food of the season, and as a part of your family celebrations, you know what? Good for you because you got to enjoy life. You know, this is a really big belief in mine. I'm not going to feel guilty at all about the stuff that I eat and drink over the Christmas holidays. I'm staying up too late, I'm drinking too much, I'm eating too much, and you know what? It's, it's all good. It's it's part of being human, and I love it. It's so much fun to, to make all these yummy things and eat them with my family. And then go back to healthy eating. You know, it's, your body's not going to crash and burn just because you do it for a week. As long as you know to get it back under control shortly after. I try to hold off as long as I can before I do it, and then I try to f- cut it off as quickly as I can. But uh, I say you eat with abandon and without regret. That's just my opinion. Anybody who tries to diet during a week of Christmas uh, or holiday celebrations, whatever your celebrations happen to be, um, I think it's just kind of sad. So <laughs> it's a little Kelowna girl wisdom. 
Anyways, um, okay, time to get to the point of this podcast, uh, and that is this being the second installment in my So You Want to Be a Triathlete series. Now, if you haven't listened to the first installment, I suggest you go back and listen to it before you listen to this one. It's number 107, and I believe it was in October. I'm going to try and guess October 23rd, I think. Anyways, episode 107, uh, and listen to that one first before you listen to this one. So I'll wait. You go hit pause, go listen to the other one, then come back. Okay? Good. Okay. Now that you've listened to it, um, this series that I'm doing, I'm kind of creating it as I go, but it's really intended for the absolute beginner. In particular, those of you who might be currently unfit or you've been fit in the past, you've let your fitness lapse. Um, You might be a late bloomer like me and never really even started thinking about um, being an athlete, even if that word sounds foreign to you, or being fit. Um, You know, maybe you're in your 40s or maybe you've got kids and you've been, you know, you took time off to have kids and you're just kind of getting back into it. Um, I kind, it's also for those of you who have maybe not followed any sort of exercise regime in the past. Uh, Maybe you're just starting and hey, now is a great time to be thinking about it because a lot of people have New Year's resolutions and, and, uh, you know, it's a good time to start thinking about getting fit and changing the way your life has been going up until now. And uh, the tagline I always use is it's never too late to be who you might have been. And so f- that's particularly rings true for me because I never started until I was in my late 40s. Um, but it doesn't matter how old you are. If you're just starting out, that's great. But I'm also hoping that this little series will also be useful to people who maybe have a reasonable level of fitness and maybe you're active in perhaps one of the sports, swim, bike, or run. And you want to test the waters in the multi-sport endurance world. So... First of all, just to really quickly recap, the main points that I had in my first episode is that it was all about just getting started, taking it slow, take baby steps and build gradually, celebrate all your achievements. And the main goal of that whole first process was to develop the habit of regular exercise and healthy eating. It's like anything else you do. You don't just just start cold and expect every change to make a bunch of changes and have everything happen all at one time. It's just not, you're just doomed to, to crash and burn if you try and change everything at one time. So take slow steps. The whole fo- focus of that particular part of the series is that you're preparing your body and even more importantly, preparing your mind to begin training for triathlon. You got to start thinking about all the issues, thinking about how you're going to work it out. And and it might be a whole lot of thinking and not even a whole lot of doing. But uh, if you followed some of my suggestions, uh, found out which things worked for you, um, hopefully by now you've developed some habits um, and you've gotten into some regular exercise program of some sort. So now in the second um, episode, I'd like to build on those concepts and I want to focus more specifically on the kinds of trainings, training that you could be doing now if you've been. And that one is kind of like about, say, a four-week program. So this will be now, this part can apply for you for the next uh, anywhere from four to eight weeks or maybe just for the entire um, duration of doing your triathlon training, depending on when your race is going to be. By now, you should be working out six days a week. 
Um, it doesn't mean you have to be doing two or three hour workouts. They could be anywhere from 30 to 60 minutes uh, and have one rest day where you do nothing. Uh, you should be swimming twice, running twice, and biking twice a week at minimum. So if you don't have a lot of time, it means maybe three or four hours of training a week. Uh, and if you did a half an hour a day and do that, you know, like I said, each sport twice a week, that would be kind of a minimum for an absolute beginner. Now, the length of the workouts are going to vary from person to person. It depends very much on your level of fitness and your experience. And if you've got a strength in one of those sports already, you're probably going to be doing that sport three times a week because you want to maintain your fitness in that sport. And you're probably not going to be doing baby steps. You're going to be, perhaps if you've been running uh, races and stuff before, then you, maybe you're going to continue to run as, at a maintenance level three times a week. And you'll really have your focus on swimming and biking. Uh, so that's true. And you're just going to have to adapt everything I say to fit where your strengths and weaknesses are. And that's kind of one of the problems with trying to uh, read a book or write a book or a blog or anything about beginning triathlete because every person has so different. You all come with different strengths and weaknesses. So base training. Let's talk a little bit about base training. Many coaches and seasoned triathletes will break their training season into blocks. They call this periodization. And each training block um, is usually anywhere from three to eight weeks long, just depending on the person and the program that you're doing and the race that you're training for. Um, but normally they're three or four weeks. Every block has a specific goal and it's designed to build on the previous block. So in general, the blocks are called prep, your prep period. It's kind of what you maybe would have done in the last uh, three or four weeks then base training, then build, then peak or taper, depending on what program you're reading. And then it's race week. And then the, after the race week, post, post race is recovery, or perhaps it's a transition, depending on what you're doing afterwards. Now each block, like I said, each block of those of training lasts from three to eight weeks. And they, each time it becomes a little bit more intense and they're all becoming, your workouts are becoming more and more race-like. So they start off at the beginning, very generic, very easy. Uh, you're just building your aerobic endurance. And then they get more and more challenging as time goes on. And they, like I say, they become more and more like your race. And you build up to that. People who are really gung-ho and, ex and, gung and excited about getting into triathlon or getting into racing, sometimes they bite off way more than they can chew and they want to do all those really hard workouts right off the bat. And it's just, you know, that's just one of the pitfalls. You have to be really careful to avoid that. Because likely, if you do that, a lot of different things can happen. I mean, one, the biggest worry is that you'll get injured. Or you take on too much and you just become overwhelmed with the whole thing. You get really, really tired, you know, like overtraining. Uh, and it just becomes too much for you. So you want to build on it so that you're successful. You want the whole thing to be a really successful, positive, fun activity. Okay. Now, a beginning triathlete really doesn't have to worry too much about all those training blocks I just named. Your main goal if you're a beginner, is just that you want to build the endurance to be able to complete the distances for your goal race. And uh, in most case in cases, it's sufficient to stay in the base training block for your entire training season. 
for at least for the sports that are new for you. You can certainly go into build and peak for your strong sports if you like, but if they're new to you, don't even worry about all those different uh, blocks of training. You know, if you've been reading Joe Friel's training Bible, you know, there's tons of workouts and, and information in there, but it can be really overwhelming. And for a beginning triathlete, you don't need to do it. You just, all you want to do is just get up the endurance. So that base training, which is sort of, to me, is the most important one, and that's the one I'm going to talk about today. The goal of it is to build your aerobic endurance. It's your aerobic system, you know, your breathing, your heart. Um, uh, and that is integral to everything else that you're going to be doing in your training later on. That's why it's called your base training. It's like the foundation for your training. And even seasoned um, athletes do some base training early in the season. A lot of times they do it in the wintertime. So I want to read a little bit about the purpose and in the importance of base training from one of my books that I've got by Joe Friel. And I'm just going to read this little segment he's got here about, and he says, begin to develop an aerobic endurance base. Triathlon is first and foremost, foremost, an endurance sport. If your aerobic endurance is poor, you will never achieve truly high fitness for swimming, biking, and running. Over the next few weeks, you will keep the intensity of your triathlon-specific workouts low. So he's talking about having low intensity. That might go against the grain. How am I going to be fast? How am I going to be good if I'm going slow? So it's kind of frustrating, kind of difficult for you A-types. He goes on to say, This will stimulate your body to make several physiological changes. It will begin building a more dense capillary network to better fuel your heart and oxygen to your muscles. It will increase the amount of blood your heart can pump with every beat. And it will increase the aerobic enzymes in your muscles so that you become more effective at burning fat for fuel. There will be many other changes taking place as well. If you make your workout intensity too high, the workout becomes anaerobic instead of aerobic and you miss out on these positive changes so as you can see it's a little technical but you know it's what it's doing is preparing your body to be able to do the workouts and it is probably the most important part and if you ever hear Eric and I talking about training his he's just he never seems to want to do any kind of base training so that's um, one of our little arguments that we have So you can see that anyone who's planning to compete in their very first triathlon, a focus on base training is often enough to be able to ensure that you're going to finish the race and feel good doing it. Um, As a rule of thumb, I think that you should be able to do one and a half times the distance of the race that you're planning. So if you have a swim that's 400 meters, you should be able to swim, say, six or 700 meters without having to stop and rest. That should be a goal. And if you've got a 20K bike race or bike uh, in your race, then you should be able to ride 30K comfortably. And same thing with your run. If you're, you've got a 5K run, then hopefully you can already run. You, by the time you race, you're able to run 7 to 10K. You don't want to be just barely able to make that uh, run and that bike and that swim. You want to be able to go beyond it so that the race itself uh, doesn't feel so intense. You feel more confident. And if you have the ability to to complete those distances, like one and a half times, without having to stop and rest, that'll give you confidence in your race. Particularly important in the swim. 
if you can just barely swim the distance and it's a open water swim and you don't have a place to hang on to and stop and rest um, you know that's going to make it just that much more challenging okay so base training is often broken down into two or three blocks as well and I know Joe Friel calls them like the he he has base one base two and base three so even within a training block he'll have several training blocks and each of those build on the previous one by increasing the distance that you're working out and the intensity of it so for the average athlete um, most of those blocks would be three weeks of training followed by one week of recovery and in the recovery week you're just it's not like you're doing nothing but you're just reducing the distance and reducing the intensity but for older athletes like me or for newbies or anybody who's a little bit breakable tends to get injured it's often a good idea to break those blocks down to have two weeks of training and one week of recovery instead of three. So doing a two-to-one, and in some cases even one-to-one, especially if you're um, quite a bit older. And I find sometimes going one week hard, one week easy, one week hard, one week easy works really well for me. Um, But you have to learn your body. Listen to your body, figure out what works best for you. And remember, it sometimes takes a week or two before the accumulated stress of training creeps up on you. So you might be feeling great, 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 and oh, I can do more, I can do more, I can do more, and then all of a sudden crash. So do do be cautious. Uh, don't take on too much. Now, likely you probably don't have a heart rate monitor or any way of really judging um, like power meters on your bike or anything. So you kind of, the best thing to do is just to go at your perceived exertion and they've got a nice scale if you go google it i talked a bit about it in the last show too your rate of perceived exertion your rpe and one is um like lying down sleeping practically and 10 is an all-out intensity like absolute last bit of a race where you're just going as hard as you can and the scale is anywhere from between one and ten So when you're in base training, you're focusing on what we call in heart rate talk, a zone two aerobic workout. That would be around the three or four out of 10 on the rate of perceived exertion. Okay. So, you know, if you want to try and judge how hard am I going, I'm going, I'm doing about a three or a four. And at this point you should be able to talk while you're working out, but your breathing might be starting or should be starting to be increased a little bit, but you're not panting. You're not pushing so hard that you can't, um, speak. Okay. The main thing is you want to avoid going into zone four for any length of time, because that's working really hard with very labored breathing. And that's considered reaching your lactate threshold or going anaerobic, as we say. Um, those are like race efforts. This is for sprinting. It's, um, you would never, you, even for a sprint triathlon, you wouldn't really be going in into that zone for very long. Now that doesn't mean you're never going to go in it in training. Uh, because if you're doing certain kinds of drills and, or you're climbing up a hill, you might brief, briefly go into a high zone while you get up in the hill. But overall, your average for the, for the workout shouldn't be all that super high. So if you're in base training, you should be trying to work out anywhere from half an hour to an hour a day, um, six days a week, doing each sport at least twice, like I mentioned. Um, but if you can, try to fit in a third workout in one or more of the sports. You might want to do it just for one sport for a few weeks just to give a bit of focus on that particular sport. 
I know we all tend to want to do the one we're best at, but you might want to just kind of put the sport you're best at on the back burner and focus on the one that you have, you know, is your major weakness. Now, if you add a third workout, that means you're going to be doing two sports in one day. And for some people, that might mean doing two workouts on a weekend. That's when you have a little more time. Um, or doing one workout in the morning before work and another one at lunch or after work or the evening. Uh, the most important part of your training schedule is trying to make it work for you, though. And you want to schedule your workouts when you're most likely to be able to do them so you set yourself up for success. And uh, let me see, three sports. Yeah, you tr- just try not to do too much. I'm going to keep saying this. You're going to hear this ad nauseum, but try not to do too much at the beginning. Just get used to it. Get your body used to it. Go through a whole month of doing a workout every day before you start adding extra things in. Um, later on, on another show, I'll talk about starting to do um, transition runs or, or also known as bricks so that you're moving from your swim into your uh, bike or you're doing a bike immediately followed by a run. And so you have to do both workouts in one day and you get your body used to transitioning and switching gears. So, uh, But you don't need to be doing that yet. It's not a super important thing to do right now. In addition to doing these six workouts a week, it's a really good idea, especially near the beginning, to fit in some strength training or core training um, once, at least once a week. But, you know, two or three times a week is great, especially early in the training schedule. And particularly if you haven't been fit. Uh, a lot of these training and workouts that we do, they use really specific muscles and you can strengthen those muscles and then you become a little bit imbalanced and that's when you start getting injuries. Some of the most likely um, muscles that you can end up kind of being off balance is your adductors, uh, your glute, gluteus medius. Um, I'm just trying to think of some of the ones that I have that are weak. Um, hip flexors, some some of them that just you don't use as much, but they're the opposite muscle from what you're using. So one gets overstrengthened, one is understrengthened, and then you ends up affecting your form and ends up causing you an injury. So fitting in some strength training or core training is really helpful. You want to think a little bit about how you've got your schedule set up so that you're not doing the same body part uh, in the same day. So for example, you might not want to go to the gym and do a bunch of really hard leg workout on the same day that you're going to run or an upper body workout on the same day that you're going to swim. Try and alternate them a little bit. Lots of times um, these workouts can be done at home using nothing even. In fact, there's lots of workouts where you can just use body weight. And if you just go Google strength and core work, there's tons of information out there. I don't even need to tell you how to do it. There's no one thing that's right. Um, you might just be doing push-ups and crunches if that's if you've got nothing at home, or you could just you know in the evening after dinner, um, you could, maybe you have one of those balls, uh, Swiss ball that you can do some core work on, or a set of hand weights or the therapy bands, you know those elastic bands. Lots of ideas on the internet on telling you how to strengthen your body using even just your own body weight. Um, you remember, you're not trying to become a ripped bodybuilder with all this stuff, so you want to use a reasonably reasonable weight, something that you're capable of lifting uh, 12 to 15 times and do say two sets or three sets um, of each of the different workouts. When you start doing, or sorry, 
two or three sets of each exercise. And when you start doing uh, weight training, you haven't done it before, start really easy. So the first day, just do one set of 12 and then see how you feel. And then the next time you do it, maybe do two sets for a couple of times and build it up slowly because otherwise you're going to be hurting. Um, you might have DVDs or workout plans that you can find get from the internet or from books as well. So lots of different ways to improve your core strength, which is really, really important. And also just your just toning and, and strengthening your muscles in general. Now, the other thing I want to talk about is drills. So this is another part of yours, your workout training. When you are doing your swimming, your biking and running, it's, you know, especially when you think it might be a little bit boring to just stay in a low zone two uh, for half an hour, an hour or whatever. Uh, doing drills is really important to help develop and hone your techniques and your skills in each of the sports. Technique is really important, particularly in swimming, but also in running and biking. And it's with swimming, it's often your best bet to um, pay a professional and get some one-on-one, one-to-one lessons and then they can figure out what it is that you need with your swimming to um, work on, and they'll tell you some of the drills that you can do. But if you already know what weaknesses you have in swimming, just you can Google swim drills to help you correct those weaknesses, and then spend part of your time in the pool doing the drills. The Try Newbies website has some good suggestions for swim drills, and I'll give you a couple of ideas. But I suggest you go to their website to look at the pictures and get a clear idea on how to do the drills. And swimsmooth.com is also a great uh, website for new swimmers. They've got lots of good things there. So this particular article that I got right off the Try Newbies website is called Four Swimming Drills That Will Help You Go Faster. And they've got a bunch of stuff, but there's four of them. One is called the Thumb to Thigh and it uh, sort of helps to focus that you don't pull your elbow out of the water too early. Um, another one is called touch and go or a catch-up stroke so that you're, you make a complete stroke and keep, while your other hand is still facing forward and you tap the other hand before your next hand does it. So your right hand would make a complete stroke and it would tap your left hand and then your left hand would make a complete stroke and then it would tap your right and so on. Um, closed fist drill so basically you're swimming without your hand open so you start to learn how to the water feel of your arm Um, balance and rotation drills and none of these are are things that are very easy to explain on uh, on the podcast so they're things that you really have to go and look and read and and understand okay so those are some suggestions for swimming drills cycling drills these are best done on a trainer but you can do them when you're outside on a ride as well so it depends on where you're riding the main goal in cycling um, with drills is to improve your pedaling efficiency and most of them work best or you can only do them if you're clipped into your pedals or you have cages that hold your foot on because uh, many of the drills have a heavy focus on the upstroke so if you have those kinds of pedals, then you might want to try any of these drills. And I've talked about these on previous podcasts as well. I like to think of it as pedaling round. In other words, that I'm moving my feet in a circle with an even pressure all the way around. Um, so here's some of these that you can try. And, and I suggest that with any of your workouts, your 30 to 60 minute workouts, no matter what you're doing, 
is that you do maybe 10 minutes of warm-up and then 10 or 15 minutes of drills and then maybe 10 or 15 minutes of uh, just a steady endurance without stopping and then 10 minutes of cool down and, and uh, you know just kind of build it and it gives some focus to your workout and it makes it a little bit more interesting too. So one of these is called a top shoe drill um, and you try to keep your toes touching the top of the inside of your shoe and you can do that until you do the downstroke of course but the downstroke is always easy but when your foot is is coming uh, across the bottom is coming all the way up and is at sort of the 12 o'clock position so if you kind of pictured that the circle of your pedal is going around uh, like a clock um, you know with the each of the segments you try to keep the top of your foot touching the top of your shoe and that helps you to kind of focus in so the two main drills that I tend to do are one-legged drills and spin-ups. And with one-legged drills, you can, if you're, if you're in a trainer and you're clipped in, you can unclip one foot, put it on a chair, or you can just take the weight off that leg and focus on the other leg so you don't push down with your left leg, only pull up with your right leg, sort of letting your one leg go for a ride. It's not quite... It's actually easier to do it that way than it is to do it with your foot off, but I find it really sort of a hassle to clip in and out all the time. Um, so you start with doing whatever length of time you can do with one leg, 15 to 30 seconds maybe, or a full minute with one leg, and then switch over to your other leg. And usually you'll find one leg is stronger than the other. So for me, my right leg, I can go for quite a while. I could... I could pedal with one leg for, say, a minute easily, and the other leg I might only be able to pedal with one leg for 30 seconds. So you want to try and build up the weaker leg, first of all. And, you know, you just go back and forth, try and do just your right, then just your left, and then spin with both for a minute, and then just your right, just your left, and then both. And that can take a few minutes. And then spin-ups. Trying to keep cognizant that you're pedaling round and that you're trying to pedal evenly you start at a steady cadence and then every 10 seconds or so increase it a little bit and uh, just continue to do that for like a minute or whatever until you're spinning as fast as you can but you're still in control and you're not bouncing around in your seat and your pedals aren't banging and then once you've got that nice fast spin hold that fast spin for about a minute and then relax for a minute and then you can repeat now, I like doing those two drills sort of in a little mini set. And here's what I do. I'll do right leg uh, for the one-legged drill. I'll do right leg 30 seconds, left leg 30 seconds, right leg 30 seconds, left leg 30 seconds. And then I'll just spin both legs for about a minute. And then I start slowly spinning up for a minute doing the spin up so every 10 seconds I go a little faster a little faster hold that spin for a minute and then cool down for about a minute and if I think I, I think if I said that right that should take about five minutes to do and then I just repeat that so if I repeat that uh, five times that's 25 minutes right there just of doing drills so pretty good pretty helpful there's other things you can do on your bike like hill repeats and riding in big gears and stuff but I would caution you not to do that during base training just hold off and we'll talk about that on another show. Now, if you don't have pedals, uh, clipless pedals, and you can't really do those kinds of drills, it's still really important to get used to your bike and, like I say, becoming one with your bike. 
um, particularly if you're a new cyclist. You want to just to get lots of riding and to get to know your bike and be comfortable riding it. You want to learn how to shift smoothly, how to make take corners properly, um, how to climb up and down, go downhill, and riding in traffic and all those kinds of things. And, um, you know, it takes... In, in addition to that, if you're riding two or three times a week, um, it takes two or three weeks before you can get over all the normal aches and pains of riding. I haven't been on my bike for about a month or so, so when I get on my bike, I'm going to be hurting all over. You'll find your wrists hurt, your back hurts, your um, shoulders hurt, neck hurts, butt hurts. Um, but after two or three weeks, that should go away. And for others, some people, it goes away much quite quick, quickly. But if you're still sore after about three weeks, then take your bike down to the bike shop and get the fit checked. Because a lot of times it's just a simple tweak of your seat or handlebar position and it'll make a huge difference in how comfortable you are on your bike. And again, um, with hill repeats and interval workouts and things like that, I would wait and not do them until you... You know, till we're in the uh, maybe a later stages of base training, and we'll talk about that on another day. Finally, running drills. There's a number of running drills that you can do to help improve your running efficiency and your form. Um, some of the, just some of the warm ups that you can do, just some dynamic stretching. So not just cold stretching, but dynamic moving moving stretching. Um, and uh, a lot of times I'll do warm ups. I'll do some butt kicks. So basically, just walking along with my um, heel kicking up to touch my butt and then right left right left I'll do that for a little bit and then I'll do some knee up so high knees and just kind of loosens my legs up and loosens my hips up um, also you can do skips just skipping skipping down the road like you know like a kid uh, those are also good for you then Jeff Galloway has a few um, different drills that he mentions in some of his books that I like one is called um an acceleration glider and I'm just going to grab my book here because here is what he says do this in the middle of a shorter run so on a day that you've done a bit of you're not going to do a long run or anything you're just going to do a regular run and you start off a bit of a warm-up so you run for five or ten minutes and then gliding okay so the most important concept is gliding. And imagine yourself coasting off the momentum of a downhill run. You're gliding. Some of your gliders can be on a downhill slope if you want, but it's important to do at least two of them on flat land. And your goal is to use your momentum, even if it's only for five to ten strides. And basically, you start jogging very slowly for about 15 steps, and then you jog a little faster for about another 15 step steps, and you're basically increasing up to your regular running pace for you. And then over the next 15 steps, gradually increase the speed until, until you're at your current race pace. And then it's time to glide or coast. Allow yourself to gradually slow down to a jog using momentum as long as you can. At first, you may only be able to glide for four or five steps, but as the months go by, you'll get up to 20 and then 30 and beyond. And you're gliding. So that's one of the things he calls. And if you Google Jeff Galloway, you can find out a little bit more detail about it. And the other thing is a cadence drill. So just like we talked about cadence in cycling, cadence is important in running as well. And you want to start to be able to try to get your cadence up a little bit so that you're not um, 
just plodding along at a very slow, big strides, but short, quick strides. And some of his cadence drills are like this. Okay, warm up. Again, he has warm up. So start jogging slowly for one or two minutes after you've warmed up, and then time yourself for 30 seconds. During this 30 seconds, count the number of times one foot touches the ground. So pick your right or your left foot. Walk around for a minute or so, and on the second 30-second drill, increase the count by one or two. So if in 30 seconds you touch the ground 30 times, do it again. Watch your, Keep your eye on your watch, and in 30 seconds, see if you can do it 32 times. And then just keep repeating that three, four, five, six, seven times with a walk, a one-minute walk in between each 30-second try. And every time, try increasing by one or two additional steps. And you'll find you're taking shorter and shorter steps, and your feet should touch more gently and be quicker. Um, and your extra inefficient motions of your foot and leg are reduced and, or eliminated. Less effort is spent pushing up or moving forward. You stay lower to the ground, and uh, you'll find that your ache and pain areas are not being overused if you do this. So improving your Foot turnover is another way of calling it. Now, um, Friel also has some that are called strides, and they're similar too. Um, he says, try doing strides on a flat or slight downslope. The best thing to do strides is on clean grass, and if possible, take off your shoes and do them barefoot on clean grass that you know is clear of rocks and anything that can hurt you. If, by running barefoot on grass, it'll help put your body in a more natural running form. And you ends up with your weight on your closer on your midfoot, closer to the ball of your foot. And you'll notice when you're running barefoot, especially on grass, that you won't heel strike. Um, when you do the strides, run quickly across the grass for about a hundred feet, then turn and walk back, and just repeat that sequence about five times. It's a good time to practice increasing your run, running cadence at this time as well. So just running barefoot on grass simple as that called strides and uh, they're really good in trying to get you into a little bit better form of running so if you want to try decide that you want to learn to have a midfoot or a forefoot strike um, also called natural running and they're all pretty much uh, the same there's different names for the same thing just go google some of the many instructional videos that are out there and once again make sure you start slow if you decide you want to do it if you've decided that you want to try some forefoot running um, just do it just only five minutes at the end of one of your runs and do that several runs and see how you feel uh, if you can do that then maybe add 10 minutes of forefoot running at the end of a run and take your time to build up until you can constantly do what's called natural running or forefoot running. The risk of calf or Achilles pain or discomfort in the ball of your foot as your feet adapt to the new form um, of running is quite high, especially at the beginning. So as usual, I'm suggesting that you take it slow. If you really become dedicated to forefoot running and or natural running, you might want to consider buying some minimalist running shoes, something or something with a little bit less heel buildup because it's really hard not to heel strike when you have shoes that have a great big huge thick heel. If you've had no issues with your running at all though so far, you might just want to leave well enough alone. Um, heel striking isn't necessarily a bad thing. Uh, and you don't have to jump on every bandwagon just because it's worked for other people and other people are doing it. All right. Um, if you do decide to try four-foot running, remember we're not talking about 
running on your toes. In fact, it's okay that your heel even touches the ground. It's just that you're more likely to land flat-footed as opposed to landing on your heel first and rolling across your foot. So, And the other thing you want to try to avoid is what's called overstriding. You want to have your foot landing under your center of gravity. You don't want it, your foot to be landing ahead of you and then pulling you back, and then pulling the ground back under you. Uh, because that's one of the ways that you can cause some foot pain. Now, there's all sorts of speed and interval training and fartleks and hill repeats and things like that that you can do with running, and I'm going to save them for another show because really you shouldn't be doing those things during base training. So just leave those for now. All right, equipment. Um, By now you have the basic equipment that I mentioned in part one. Uh, you've got some good running shoes, you have a bike with a helmet, a swimsuit, goggles, swim cap, and probably a watch. And it might be time to start adding to your collection of tri-related gear so that you can become more efficient and more comfortable. So some one of the first things you probably want to do is buy a pair of bike shorts. Bike shorts are really important. Um, they come in varying levels of padding. I used to only ride in heavily padded bike shorts because it just was more comfortable. But when I became a triathlete, I started riding in tri shorts. And for a while, I wore tri shorts for triathlons and I wore bike shorts when I was biking long distances. But now I only bike in tri shorts. And I'm quite used to the thin padding. So. You may want to, if you're limited funds, you may want to just buy a pair of tri shorts. And it might take a little bit longer for your butt to get used to the pain of biking, but uh, you should be okay. Um, make sure you do have some lube of some sort. Um, uh, there's things out there that are like chamois butter, it's called. Um, sometimes body glide is okay, but I like body glide for certain things, but not necessarily for, it's not enough for my. Um, uh, bike shorts. I don't find that it helps enough, but um, you know, want to have some kind of lube. If you want more information, uh, email me and I can talk about it some more. Um, you might want to get a pair of biking gloves. I never race in gloves, and well, I do if it's in a half half iron because I don't really care about my time. But I never normally race in gloves, and but I do wear them always when I'm biking because. It just gives a little protection to my palms. Um, It takes off the pressure off my hands, and it also gives me a place to wipe my face because they always have a nice little cloth thing across the thumb that you can wipe your nose on them. Isn't that lovely? Uh, You might also want to get some tech clothes because running in cotton is just heavy and uncomfortable, and it chafes, and it's sweaty. And um, if you can find some, you don't have to spend a lot of money, but they are a little bit more expensive, is uh, some tech shirts mainly is the main thing and uh, you can you can find some sometimes if you go into some of the department stores you can find some tech shirts that are reasonably priced but uh, you can also go and buy any of the name brand stuff which is really nice and for women there's a f- quite a few that have built-in bras and stuff that make things a little bit easier having a decent sports bra for some women is really important this depends on how you're built obviously and uh, while we're talking about tech shirts, I want to talk a little bit about bike shirts versus running shirts. Because I was a cyclist first. I had lots of bike jerseys, as they're called. And when I started buying running shirts, I found I was really missing the pocket. Because cycling shirts have pocket in the back and that you just reach in behind you when you're cycling and pull out stuff that you need. And running shirts don't seem to have that. They have sometimes little side pouches, but pretty small. So... 
Um, I own pretty well only run, run and ride in bike jerseys. That's just me. But if you're ever wondering, you're looking at the various types out there. That's the, that's the main difference between a bike jersey and a running shirt. Also, sometimes on bike tops, the back of it will be longer than the front of it, and that's because when you're bending over, you want to be able to have that piece of shirt that's hanging down far enough to cover your back because of the position your body's in. Um, bike gear. There is some bike gear that's nice to have. You've already got a helmet. You probably want to make sure you get a bottle cage on your bike so that you can put a water bottle on there. Lots of different places you can put that on, but on attached to the frame of your bike is usually where they have them. Uh, you should, it's handy to have a re- little uh, repair kit for fixing flats. Um, it could be an actual um, tube repair kit. I carry one all the time that has a little glue and a patch and stuff. But uh, you definitely need to have a, a new tube or a fixed tube and a couple of bike levers to get the type tire levers to get the tire off the bike and some kind of way of filling it up with air. For me, the simplest thing is having a small pump that's attached to my bike and is always there. So you need that stuff if you're going to be riding outside and learn how to use it before you get out there and ride because you don't want to be sitting on the side of the road with a flat tire and have no clue how to do it. If you Google it, you can find lots of um, uh, great videos that show you exactly how to change a tire and how to repair a tire. And you definitely need to know how to do that and have that stuff with you and never go out without having a tube and whatnot. Because you just don't know if you're going to run, somebody else will be out there and able to help you or not. Just go go out and take off your tire and change the tube um, at home. Just see how it works. You don't have to wait till you have a flat to learn how to do it. Um, might be nice to have a cheap bike computer. Cat I K A no K C A T E Y E makes some pretty nice, decent, in, inexpensive um, bike computers. They're um, they'll some of them are just give you your speed and distance. Others will also have a cadence sensor, and they can be anywhere from twenty to forty, fifty bucks. Uh, but you can also use your if you have a smartphone. There's lots of apps out there like RunKeeper and stuff like that that you can just turn on if you're carrying it with you and and uh, can give you some information. I don't know if there are any that will tell you your bike cadence though. It's kind of nice to know your cadence if you if you care about that. And then other things that are handy. Uh, you might like to have a little under seat bag that sits, attaches right under your bike seat and you can keep all your repair kit stuff in there. Um, and I like to have a bento box and people do like those. A bento box is a soft sided cloth box that sits right on your, your bike tube in the front attached to your handlebars as well. Kind of hard to explain that, but, uh, you kind of have to look. If you look at pictures of my bike on my blog, you can see um, what my bento box looks like. And it's big enough to keep uh, a gel or two, um, my ID and my cell phone, that kind of thing. They're very handy. You may want to invest in, if you have a road bike, you might want to invest in a to an inexpensive pair of aero bars or set of aero bars that you can clip on to your bike if you want. Um, no, certainly not necessary for beginning triathletes, but if you have a road bike already and you think that's something you want, they're not really expensive and they're they're kind of nice to be able to get into that different position on your bike. Uh, if you've got a lot of snow or inclement weather, you may want to be able to buy a trainer or rollers if you're crazy like some of the guys are. Personally, I don't want to ride in rollers, but 
that's just me. I'm too, I'm too way too uncoordinated, but, uh, having a trainer for winter is nice. Um, but you know, you don't need it. Uh, you might be able to just get down to a gym and ride the bikes in the gym. And then at some point you may want to consider getting clipless pedals or clipless so that you can have real bike shoes that clip in, but definitely not important. All right. The other thing I want to talk about is eating and fueling. So if you're listening to this right after the Christmas season, like me, you may need to get back to your healthy eating plan and get it back on track. So if that's the case, don't feel guilty. Don't have negative thoughts. Just do it. Go clean out the junk from the fridge and the covers. Give it away. Throw it out. Hide it. Whatever works. And then go shopping. Get some fresh vegetables, fresh fruit, lean meat or alternate form of protein, nuts, seeds, whole grains, dairy, whatever you eat, whatever you're into. But make sure it's fresh food and take fresh food over processed foods whenever possible. Avoid restaurants, especially the um, the bad junky restaurants. Uh, try not to put yourself on a strict calorie-reduced diet. Calorie-reduced diet when you're training. It's not good for you to be undernourished. Um, just find some ways to cut back on the crap, okay? Um, anticipate situations where you might overeat or where you might make food poor for food choices and then plan ahead. Uh, don't forget to drink lots of water. Stay hydrated. If you're smart, I do this once in a while because I'm smart once in a while. Um, sit down on Sunday and plan out what you're going to eat for the week and uh, find ways to take your lunch to work so that you can eat good choices. My biggest downfall is the snacking at school, and uh, I need to have snacks at school. Otherwise, I'm really hungry, and I walk in the staff room, and there's crap on the table, and I eat it. So I have to, that's my big problem. As far as training is concerned, your workouts are usually under an hour. You really don't need to take any kind of fuel sources when you're training. And we're talking about the gels and the power bars and all of those kinds of things. You don't even really need Gatorade or sports drinks. Um, if it, you sweat a lot or it's really hot where you're training, you might want to get some electrolytes in like a sports drink if it's um, maybe more than half an hour. But for the most part, just having water is sufficient. Now, if you're working out more than an hour, then you might want to start thinking about fuel and, you know, and then you can start looking at serious, serious, uh, serious athlete tr- training information. But for the beginners, it's really not necessary. It just adds extra calories when you're trying to lose weight anyways. Uh, after you've had a workout, uh, eating a healthy source of food is commonly believed to be like a three to one ratio of carbs to protein. Um, although new information is coming out all the time, so who really knows what's the best thing to eat. But uh, I think it's safe enough to say if you eat something that's got some carbs and some protein in it fairly soon after you work out, it's good for your body. It could be real food, it could be a smoothie, um, or you can spend a lot of money and buy recovery drinks, but I don't think you need to do that. So how do you maintain motivation now that you've kind of got yourself into the pattern? You've got to really believe in yourself and focus on the positive and use lots of positive self-talk. Figure out what motivates you and use that. So here's a few few suggestions on ways to get motivated. And some of them may work for you and some of them won't. Um, some people like to train with a partner. So having a training partner really helps, especially if it's somebody who's doing the same thing as you. It gets to be a lot more difficult if your training partner is not in the same Uh, fitness level as you though if they're stronger or weaker than you then it means you're not training 
at the level that you're supposed to be doing. You're either going too hard or too easy. Some people enjoy joining clubs or groups, like uh, there's triathlon clubs, running clubs, swimming groups, master's swim. Uh, all of those places are places to meet people as well, and uh, sometimes maybe it's a place where you can find a partner, but also get some uh, fairly inexpensive coaching. You may want to join a group ride. Try to find a, a no-drop ride that's um, that's going to be just really casual and not uh, hammer-fast that's going to injure you and cause you to be exhausted for the next four days. Uh, some people like to have motivational quotes and post them all over the place or even on their fridge and things like that, so that'll keep them focused and on track. My favorite is uh, it's never too late to be who you might have been. And... Um, Getting family support, fa- support from family and friends, and hopefully you have that. Uh, a lot of times for a triathlete, it means y- it's up to you to be considerate of your family when you're planning your training sessions so that they want to be supportive of you. <laughs> that might mean you have to get up really early and go for a run before your kids are up, or you wait till your kids are in bed before you go out and work out, or you do things on your lunch break at work because you don't want to impact on the family time. So that's a challenge, and you've got to find out what works for you and your family. And then finally, recording your workouts, having a training plan that you've written up, and you don't have to go writing up more than a week in advance, but just have a rough idea of what you're going to be doing for that week. That can be really motivating. And then recording all the details of your workout. I've been known to uh, sit here in sweaty clothes recording my workouts before I have a shower because that's the sometimes the only reason I do a workout is so I can go and say I did it. Yeah, that's who I am. So blogging is also another way to focus on write down what you've done because it's really nice to go back and see the growth. It's amazing to see how you grow over time. And then finally, dealing with setbacks and injuries. Um, first of all, you're going to have setbacks. So you got to know ahead of time that you're going to have them. If you're listening carefully to what I say about not going too hard too soon and taking baby steps, you're less likely to be injured. So do everything you can to avoid injury and overtraining. And uh, things are feeling a little bit bad, you know, you might want to skip a workout. Don't try and fit it in later. Just skip it. It's not the end of the world. Um, If you have to, you could switch workouts and drop something else that's less important to fit that one in if you need to. Don't make excuses. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Just do your best. That's all you have to try is just do your best. If you if things aren't working out, well, you don't have to sit and make excuses for yourself. Just stop. Say, okay, what, did it, what happened? Why did it happen? How am I going to change it? And be proactive rather than reactive. This is good advice for life in general. Plan ahead. Anticipate what the problems might be and create solutions before they happen. Okay, that's really important. I find this in all sorts of lives, things in my life, I mean. And I love Randy Posh. He died a few, I think last year. His his uh, quote was, roadblocks are only put there to test our commitment to our goals. And you've heard me say that many times on this show. So every time something comes up, okay, that's happened. All right, now what am I going to do? testing my commitment to my goals. Am I going to bail? No, I'm not going to bail. I'm going to find a way of dealing with it and getting on. If you are hurting, uh, make sure you stretch, do yoga, use your foam roller, do all these things before you get hurt. So just do them even when you're not hurting and that will help you avoid it. But uh, if you do feel some pain, deal with it early on. Don't just ignore it. 
you know the old rice thing, right? Rest, ice, compression, and elevation. Um, you might want to go see a physiotherapist or a massage therapist or a chiropractor um, fairly early on before you're, you've created a really bad injury. Uh, a lot of times people want to go see their doctors, but if you do see your doctor, make sure it's somebody who knows about athlete and sports injuries. I tend to not bother with doctors at all, really, and I usually just see my physiotherapist if I've got an injury because they'll tell me if I need to see my doctor. So anyways, uh, those are just some thoughts about that sort of second stage of being in the whole new world of triathlon and yeah, I don't know. What else can I tell you? I think that's pretty good. So the next episode, I'll talk a little bit more of the details about um, you know, some of the harder workouts that you can do after you've been doing base training for, you know, a month or even two months. You know, you want to maybe in one of the areas, things are going really well for you and you want to step it up and start working a little harder. And uh, I'll talk a little bit more about learning to do two workouts in a day, how to do those transitions and that kind of thing. All right, so get out there. Have a good workout today. Keep those patterns of those habits going, and uh, I will see you in another week. Before I go, I have a couple of shout-outs. One is to Dennis, who wrote to me. His name is Cruzin06 on Beginner Triathlete. And Beginner Triathlete is a great blog, by the way. Not a blog. It's a great place to keep your training. Um, Cruzen said, or sorry, Cruzen, Dennis said, uh, this is my first year in tri-sports and your podcast actually gave me the inspiration to work through numerous sore and torn calf muscles this spring. I had set a few goals and after the torn calf muscle, um, I really didn't expect to accomplish many of them, but I'm happy to say I persevered and surpassed the goals I set. My first 5K in February, I completed in about 35 minutes, and I tore my right calf muscle in the process. It was the first time since my 20s I'd run a 5K, and I was really just happy to finish. I competed on and off all summer in 5Ks, one biathlon, the Chicago Super Sprint Triathlon, and ending the season with a 22-minute 5K. Great. That's great. That's like a 13-minute PR in a 5K. That's amazing. Anyway, he says, I want to thank you for your podcast and insight. I was in Kelowna last week for business, and I wished I'd tried to contact you prior to the trip. But next time I'm in, in Kelowna, I owe you a beer. Thanks again, Dennis. So thanks very much, Dennis. I appreciate it. And yes, uh, you know, anybody who's ever in Kelowna, give me a call or send me an email. And uh, Eric and I are always happy to go meet up um, with uh, listeners and our new friends. I had responded to Dennis and asked him uh, what his plans were for 2012. And he said he's going to try to compete in at least one event event every month from February to October. I'm not sure about the mix, but I'm toying with the notion of a half marathon. But I've really enjoyed the sprint tries. On Saturdays or Sundays in September and October, I was running five miles each day consistently in the 42 to 46 minutes. I was doing some training research on the Internet. and I'm already covering more miles per week than most programs um, have you run for a half but I haven't run further than seven miles at one time I don't think the half would be as bad would be bad and my usual goals would apply one to finish two not to be last in my age group isn't that so true so uh, anyways thanks very much for that Dennis it's uh, good to hear from you and um, I appreciate the comments and I'm sorry I I'd missed his email at first just because it was in beginner triathlete all right, and I have a few uh, little comments and shout-outs to 
people on Facebook who've sent me Facebook messages. The first one I wanted to apologize to Sybil. Um, Sybil, I do, I, she's not actually a Facebook friend, but she sent me a message and I didn't even notice the message because apparently you have to click on this word other. Somebody had told me that and then I found a bunch of messages I'd missed. Sybil said, hi, Barb. I thought I'd let you know I've been listening to your podcast all summer as I run in beautiful Helena MT. Uh, MT, MT, MT. I can't remember what state that would be. Anyways, Helena. I find your podcast inspirational, even though I'm not a triathlete yet, she says in brackets. I started with your January 2011 show and I've caught up as of today. So please keep them coming. I love to hear about your training and your home life with Kelowna Guy. You remind me so much of my fiancé and me. We live on a farm, and we spend lots of times outdoors. We love to drink wine and stay fit and healthy together. He's the type who can join a mountain bike race 30 miles up to a peak and back and finish it without training at all. He beat me in a 5K and a 30K runs this summer without working out at all. All that, and he's 11 years older, which is 52, which is pretty amazing. That sounds very much like Eric, doesn't it? She says, I don't mind because I love my peaceful time outdoors running and biking. I'm going to take up swimming over the winter too, so I can join some friends who are doing their second triathlons next spring. I used to be a swimmer in high school, so we'll see how it goes. Anyways, thanks for keeping me motivated and entertained, Sybil. Thanks so much, Sybil, and sorry I took so long to get back to you. Um, I did respond to you finally on December 12th, so case you ever wondered what happened to that i uh, got an a message from daniel and that's daniel in germany and he i'd asked him about the mentioned about the bond triathlon if you remember when i commented uh that the um uh, blah, blah, the swim was pretty long and he says i guess the 3.8 kilometer swim should be the easiest part of it from his point of view um, I don't know, no, don't know it yet, but all the people here say it's pretty easy. I guess it's so long because of the strong current of the river. And if you wear a sweatsuit, all you need to do is steer in the right direction. I'll see what it's like next year. Anyways, at the moment, I don't own a wetsuit. I'm going to buy one next year, a month or so prior to the race. Yesterday, I finished my annual training plan based on Joe Friel's training Bible, and I prioritized my competitions. I think next year will be an amazing and competitive year for me. At the end of April, I'm going to run the Bond Half Marathon. Three weeks later, a 10K run. And a week before the Bond Triathlon, I'll enjoy the Swim and Run Cologne, which is 2K to 14K. In my, I guess a 2K swim and a 14K run, sorry. In my opinion, that's a great first half of my next year. The second half of the year, I'll do a sprint and an Olympic triathlon. And on October 14th, I'll finish with my Cologne half marathon. My training season will be starting next week. He wrote this on December 20th. Uh, And the last week I was feeling, I was here on holiday and afterwards I was sick. So now I'm feeling, well, I'm very motivated to train again. I also have a question about planning and documenting your training. What tools do you use? Can you recommend anything to me or the listeners? I have a Garmin Forerunner 310XT, which is just like mine, and it's great. To document my training, I use the Garmin website, but I'm not sure if I really like it. The Garmin website only has rudimentary capabilities to plan training. Do you use the Garmin site as well? Um, I've also joined um, Daily Mile, but at the moment I'm looking at that as well. But maybe you have some other websites. Anyways, have a good time. Merry Christmas. So here's what I told him. Um, I mentioned that I like 
daily mile a lot, but mainly for the social aspect. I don't find their data information is very helpful. Um, I also log my miles at beginnertriathlete.com. And I like the way that I can look at the monthly and weekly calendars if I want. And they got lots of really good reports. This is also an option there to upload your training plans into it as well, but I haven't done that. I found it kind of tedious because I didn't have their particular plans that you have to buy. Um, I've also used Training Peaks, trainingpeaks.com. They've got a free version and a better quality paid version. A lot of people like it. And I've used it both times I was being coached because my coach would upload my schedule into there and then I would just upload my data once I was finished the workout. I didn't mind it. It um, wasn't my favorite. Um, it's a little bit sort of PC-based as opposed to Mac, you know, as far as the interface is concerned. So, But it's not bad. Um, I'm pretty content to use the Beginner Triathlete and the Garmin Connect website to analyze my data. And because I have a Mac, I just write my training schedule right onto my iCloud calendar. And it's simple, but it works really well for me. So I gave him some links, and I don't know if that was enough. But if anybody else has any suggestions for Daniel about uh, websites that he can put his training into, and I think he wants to put his plans in there as well, um, you know, let me know. Send me an email at colonagirl at, um, at gmail.com, and I'll pass that on to him. Uh quick little uh, shout out to John just to say hi because I was chatting him and it sounds like swimming is the uh, he sent me a uh, Merry Christmas Happy Holidays email and he said um, just got back into running after trying my first ever in my life 11 mile run on August 18th and injuring myself he says getting old is a bear yeah isn't it so true Three months later, after physical therapy, doctor's visits, an MRI, X-ray, and, X-ray, and other boring stuff I can't believe I'm sharing, I'm back at it. <laughs> and, and you know what? This is what this show is all about, man. We're all, we all know where you're coming from because we've all been there. I have my eye on moving up to an Olympic-like length triathlon on uh, April 15th here in Tempe, um, Arizona. However, my swimming is still like having seizures, more like having seizures than swimming. <laughs> Yeah, that's Eric's feeling the same way too. So I've been studying online, studying drills with the hope that someday I can swim 1,500 meters without being hypoxic 25 meters into the swim. So I suggest you slow down a little bit, John. Slow down. And you know what really, really made a big difference for Eric? It was um, putting a, a pull boy between his knees. Uh, he was found he was able to swim faster and... And just gave him better flotation, and he's and he stopped uh, running out of breath in in a bit. So that might be a helpful. Anyways, how uh, he made some he made a cracked a joke about having New Year's Eve with a bunch of Canadians from Scott in Scottsdale, and geez, can they drink? Wow. <laughs> okay, not all Canadians are like that. Anyways, um, I told John that uh, Eric's going to be down in Phoenix in that area doing the Desert Classic Duathlon on March 9th, So. That's kind of interesting. Anyways, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year's to John. And let's see. I think I had. i got to pull up my little list. I have a little list. Sybil, Daniel, John, Lizzie. Did I mention Lizzie? Oh, yeah. Just quick, quick shout out. I'm not going to read all this because it's too late now. But Lizzie had asked me uh, for some suggestions on on uh, stocking stuffers or little gift bags for her daughter who's going to be doing... Um, a first, her first half Ironman, and so that gave me ideas of what I'm going to write on my blog next year. So I've got this all saved now. Anyways, it's too late to tell you all the different things. Um, quick 
Little shout outs to some friends on Twitter, Jane Cousins, Tribeca, and Scout Cycling, all of whom have sent me nice messages about the show lately. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Dita because she is just such a sweetheart and uh, always leaves me nice messages. And to Treya, Dita and Treya, both of them, who are always leaving nice messages on my Facebook page. And also in the Facebook group, Kelowna Girl Tries Podcast Listeners Group, which you can join just by searching it at that long, ungainly name, KG Tries Podcast Listeners Group. Yeah, um, you can join it if you like, and or you can friend me on Facebook. And I want to give a bit of a shout out to a local guy, Aaron. He is he just admitted to listening to my show. And I don't think anybody in Kelowna listened to my show. So if you're from Kelowna and you um, actually live here in town, why don't you send me an email? I'd like to know. Uh, I'd love to know if anybody in town actually listens to the show. He's not actually in Kelowna. He's in Summerland. Summerland? Peachland. Summerland, which is just like a little town over uh, shout out to Sheila because she's just recovering from an injury and then she just got back into running and she's so hardcore. I want to be like Sheila when I grow up. And a last shout out to Jason from Mainly Triathlon just because he rocks. And we want to wish, Eric and I want to wish, wish him a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year with his family. So that is plenty to talk about. Holy mackerel, look at all that. We've gotten well into the over an hour, so... Sorry about that. This will have to be for your long, long, long run, won't it? Take care, and I'll talk to you in another week or so. And if I don't see you before 2012, uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to everybody. All right. Bye-bye. The sun must set to rise.